a few decades ago, or more likely about six years ago, when I finished high school, uh, I was pushed into various leadership positions um, in various ministries around the church. And it was a big learning curve for me in dealing with different people and being responsible for the leaders that I was looking after. One of the things that I learned really quickly is that not everyone is the same. More specifically, not everyone responded to feedback, uh, criticism, correction, or truth in the same way. I generally found that there were two different types of people. The first, they were easy to deal with. Actually, they're a pleasure to deal with. When I'd give them feedback, they'd be glad, they'd thank me, and they'd take on board all the comments given. And I had I actually had uh, an example of this a couple of weeks ago. One of the song leaders came to me and said, can you please give me feedback this week? And she said that with a smile, and obviously, that's something that I'd love to do, and that doesn't happen a lot, actually, to be honest. And they agreed with me with a smile, and they thanked me when I gave them feedback and truth. The second type of people, I think all of us know about them, and we often refer to them as that guy, or that problem guy. That guy seems to always be the source of frustration. You'll find them in your family, especially if you have teenage kids, in your group of friends, in your workplaces, and serving at church also. That guy we dread talking to and dealing with. Why? Because when you give them feedback, advice, or correction, instead of being glad and thankful and smiling at you, they react the total opposite. They reject and they deny truth. They ignore correction and advice. They simply don't listen. I'm sure all of you have had this experience and dealt with these people. I mean, I can think of myself fitting that category pretty well in my past. If you haven't dealt with these types of people, maybe you should think about it more. Maybe you could even be that guy. Today we're continuing on this theme of being receptive. And the big question today is, how do people, or more individually, how do you respond to truth? And the Bible and the wisdom books in particular, Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes, have plenty to say about this topic. And generally speaking, they give us three different uh, general behaviors of how people respond to truth. I think we've jumped the gun in the slide a bit, if we could go back. The first behavior is the wise. Right? When truth or feedback comes to a wise person, you get a smile, they're happy, they're glad, they listen and accept truth, they adjust their life in accordance to that truth. The wise are receptive to truth. The second behavior is the fool. When truth or feedback comes to a foolish person, you get to talk to his hand. He's not happy, he's sad. He rejects the truth, he denies it, he says it's not me. He externalizes it, says, it's someone or something else. And he doesn't take the truth on board. The fools are not receptive to truth. And the third behavior is the evil, or maybe a nice description is the wicked or the harmful. When truth or feedback comes to an evil person, he's not happy, he's sad. 
He's not sad either, but he's angry. He's just set off a time bomb waiting to explode. He rejects the truth, but on top of this, he's purposely destructive and causes harm. Now I know some of you may be looking around to the person next to you and thinking, maybe the guy next to me definitely isn't wise. Or maybe that guy sitting over there is a bit foolish. Or the guy that's sitting across the congregation is a bit evil. On a more serious note, because you guys are probably thinking that to me, that I'm a fool, <laughs> let me remind all of us that these are behavioural patterns that we're analysing for our own lives. It's not a blame game, but a personal examination. We should be asking ourselves the question, how do I respond to truth? Or am I receptive to truth? As I've been preparing this sermon over the week, I've been challenged myself to examine my life, to make sure that I'm being receptive to truth. Just on Thursday night, uh, I did a talk at Kairos, uh, and Jeff Gunton grabbed me at the end of uh, the, the session, and he, firstly, he encouraged me, and I was feeling really good about myself. But then he said, but I've just got one piece of feedback. I held my breath. My mind was going, I know, feedback, what do I do? I believe that this topic is uh, of being receptive fits in really well with uh, what we talked about a couple weeks ago about being genuine truth tellers. Because if you think about it, there's not, there's not much point being genuine truth tellers um, if you're not going to also be receptive to the truth. It's kind of like a relationship or marriage. It's a two-way street. You've got to have both sides. Uh, in my life group, when we went through this um, session, one of the most common comments was, uh, fearing that people won't accept truth is one of the biggest hindrances or stumbling blocks to being genuine truth tellers. And that's why I guess today's topic is about the foolish listener. And I reckon out of these uh, 10, 10 sermons, these 10 weeks um, that we're going to be looking at this Grace uh, series, this is probably one of the toughest sermons to preach. Because if we think about it, all of us in some parts of our lives, at some stage, we all act foolishly. And I've got the confronting task today to preach this truth. And Daryl's not in Brisbane, and David's sitting over there. So thanks for leaving the sermon to me. Top stuff. Today's sermon has three parts. The first section is a fool's understanding of God. The second section is a fool's relationship with others. And the third and final section is a fool's path towards wisdom, or how foolish behavior can be replaced with wise behavior. So the first section is a fool's understanding of God. The Bible and the wisdom books have plenty to say about the fool. It has so many references that I reckon the authors got a bit bored and they try to make it interesting by using other nicknames for the fool, like the simple, the scoffer, the mocker, and the scorner, for example. In my readings, I found a total of 136 references to the fool and I analyzed each and every one of them to get a big picture understanding of what the Bible as a whole has to say about the fool. So in order to, to discover the underlying attitude and the worldview that leads to foolish behavior, 
we must start looking at the most important attitude, which is the vertical relationship, or a fool's understanding of God. We get a big clue from Proverbs 1 verse 7. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. But what does it say? It says that the wise, those who value and are receptive to knowledge, their understanding of God is that they fear God. They know God. They respect Him. They put Jesus as Lord and Savior of their whole lives. God or Jesus is in the center of their lives. The wise know that it's not their world, but it's God's world. They know God's in charge, and that we as sinners are under God. We depend on God, and we depend on Him for everything, from our salvation of our sins to our daily bread and everything that we need to live. That's why the wise are receptive to truth. They know it's God's world and not theirs. What about the fool's understanding of God? Well, Proverbs 7 kind of alludes to it, but if we read Psalm 14 verse 1, it gives us a pretty clear picture. It says, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. The fool doesn't have God in the center of their lives. Maybe it's near the center. Maybe it's in the outskirts of their life. Or maybe it's not in their lives at all. But ultimately we find that a fool hasn't put God in his rightful place. The origin of a fool's behavior is that they put themselves in the center. They make themselves look big, which is pride. They think that they're in charge rather than accepting that God is in charge. That's why the fool rejects truth. So if we think about it, Actually, all of us have a natural tendency towards foolish behavior. Why? Because we're all sinners. We all have this natural inclination to put ourselves in the center of our lives. So the question again isn't, who are the fools? But the question rather is, where in my life am I foolish? Where in my life do I reject truth and feedback from others? Where is it that Jesus isn't in the center of my life. Hopefully the next session as we go through will provide some more stimulating thoughts to better answer those questions. But the truth to understand here is that our wise or our foolish behavior comes back to our relationship with God. All behavior is a reflection of our understanding of and our relationship with God. Have we put God in the rightful place in all parts of our lives? As we move on to the second section, a fool's relationship with others. How a fool behaves with others is the outworking of their relationship and understanding of God. To summarize it in a nutshell, the wise put God in the center of their lives. They put Jesus as Lord and therefore they follow his commands to serve others and to love others above themselves. So in relating to other people, the wise put the other person as the most important. But as we see, the fool is a bit different. They put themselves in the center of their lives instead of God, which means in relating to other people, the, few, the fools view themselves above others. 
I've grouped uh, all these 136 references into five major themes of how a fool behaves in relation to others. And just a reminder, as we go through these five themes or five characteristics, don't look at others and don't judge others, but look at yourself first and analyze, is this me? Is this something that people comment to me about? Is this something that I individually struggle with? So five, five characteristics. Firstly, a fool is self-centered. Proverbs 28 says, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. This stems again from the fact that God is not in the center of their lives. Fools trust themselves more than anyone else. They either forget or they don't know that it's God's world. They reject truth from others because they only trust themselves. This can be also described as being boastful, arrogant, or prideful. Those of you who are very skilled or very talented have this danger. You can trust yourself too much and begin to look down on others. The second characteristic is that a fool is blind to sin. Proverbs 10.23 says, Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. Fools don't own up to their own sin. They're blind to it. Some reject the fact that they're sinning at all. Some downplay their sin by thinking that it's not that bad. These guys just like to play with fire. Like the verse says, sin is a joke. It's something trivial to them. It's not something that they take very seriously at all. This stems quite obviously from a broken relationship with God. The third point is that a fool rejects knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 18 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Fools don't like to learn. They don't want to understand anything, whether it's about God's word or about being equipped in life or in serving or how they can grow as a follower of Jesus. In fact, you'll hear the fool saying that he thinks he's got it all already and he doesn't need to learn anything more. They never attend workshops, seminars or conferences simply because of this fact. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding. The fourth point is that a fool is slow to think and quick to speak. Proverbs 14 says, One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. And another verse, Proverbs 18.13, it says, If one gives an answer before he hears, it is to his folly and shame. Fools have a problem of foot in mouth. They have a tendency to talk first and sometimes to think later. Their quickness to speak betrays their lack of thought. I'm sure all of us have done this before. These are times that when we look back, we regret opening our mouths at all. I know I've done this many, many, many times. Fifthly and lastly, a fool is not receptive to others. Proverbs 13 says, a wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. And Proverbs 17:10 also says, 
A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. In Jewish tradition, uh, the Jewish measure of correction usually included 40 lashes. This verse plays on the fact that even after extreme measures, 100 lashes instead of 40, a fool is still not receptive. Truth goes in one ear and comes out the other. A fool does not listen to truth, correction, or feedback. So maybe as we've gone through these five points, there have been a couple of things that might have stood out for you. Maybe God is convicting you today of something in your life that you need to change. And if we go back to the first point and those questions there, if something stands out here for you, ask yourself, is God really in the centre of this particular part in my life? Do I need to fix this vertical relationship first and see the Lordship of Jesus over this particular area in my life? God wants us to be growing, to become mature, godly and passionate followers of Jesus. And this includes being receptive to others. The third and final section is a fool's path to wisdom. And I don't know about you, but these five points were quite confronting and challenging for me. So I hope you've all grappled with them, thought about them, but I also hope that you're not too downtrodden and that you're not too overwhelmed about it all. Because there's great hope for the fool. In fact, Jesus came, died, and rose again for the fool. He did this for all of us who are sinners, so that our sin is paid for and that we can actually have this right relationship with God and put Jesus in the center of our lives. Also, in the wisdom books, God also gives the fool a light of hope. In Proverbs 9, 4-6 and 15, 31, it gives the fool hope to turn away, to leave the foolish life. But the key is to listen to truth to become wise. And ultimately, God wants us all to be wise. He wants all, us all to be growing into godly, mature and passionate followers of Jesus. This final section outlines five challenges for us from God's word as we all move towards the path of wisdom. So firstly, put God in the center of your life. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. This is the underlying worldview change which cultivates wise behavior. Put God in the center of your life not just in word, but in action each and every day in your life. Understand what Jesus has done for us on the cross and let that humble us and impact each and every part of our lives. The second point is to deal with sin. Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. It's God's world. God has spoken through the scriptures and God's word is perfect. We need to listen to it and abide by it. Treat God's word seriously and deal with the sin in your life. Thirdly, be eager to understand God's word. Proverbs 15 says, The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge. 
have a desire to read and understand God's word. Andrew Murray in the late 18th century said, some read the Bible to learn and some read the Bible to hear from heaven. God wants us to come to his word with a sense of desire, anticipation and expectation. Be eager to hear from God through his word. Fourth point, listen and think first. Proverbs 10 says, The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. I think the point itself says it all. Listen first, don't jump in when someone is speaking truth to you. Then take the information in and think through it for yourself. And fifthly and lastly, which is the theme for this Art and Grace series, be receptive to others. Proverbs 19.20 says, Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. To gain wisdom, you must be receptive to others and to truth. You must be open and inviting to feedback. Most, if not all the time, there is some truth in all criticism. And really, if we think about it properly, rebuke, feedback and correction are great opportunities for us to grow as people and as followers of Christ. I've been meeting up with a mentor for about nine years and through all these years he's been there to ask me all the hard questions, to give me the hard feedback, to correct me when I'm doing something wrong and trust me that happened a lot of times. And if I had not been receptive to him, there's no way that I would have grown from the young mischievous kid I was back then to the hopefully more mature person I am today. Henry Cloud has this story about a young man that he met at a church camp. And this young man was sitting with a number of older, more experienced men and women. During one of the group sessions in the camp, one of the older men spoke to this young man. And he said, young man, I have some feedback for you. And Cloud says that he will never forget the response from this young man. In fact, after hearing the story myself, I couldn't forget it either. So this old guy comes and says, young man, I have some feedback for you. The young man, he leaned in, his eyes opened wide, and his face glowed. He smiled, and then he said, sir, give me a gift. God wants us all to be like that, to be receptive to truth from others. So as we finish off today, I just want to focus on the last point of being receptive to others, which is the focus of this R in this grace series. I've put together five hopefully challenging questions for you to think about and hopefully to do something about. So I encourage you to examine yourself and maybe ask someone whom you trust and that knows you well if you need a second opinion. Or five questions to finish off. Firstly, do you respond appreciatively or defensively to correction? Do you respond appreciatively or defensively to correction? Question two, do you learn lessons from life or do you seem to keep making the same mistakes? Do you learn lessons from life or keep making the same mistakes? 
third question when things go wrong do you tend to overreact or are you slow to anger overreact or slow to anger fourth question are you easy or difficult for people to confront if you haven't been confronted in a while you might know why and fifthly and lastly during conversations do you listen intently or do you tend to interrupt during conversations do you seem to in- listen intently or do you tend to interrupt five questions for you to think about so in conclusion god wants us as individuals and as a church to be wise not to be fools but to be receptive to truth god wants us to put jesus in the center of all our lives it's god's world and not ours and he wants us to be moving forward towards wisdom he wants us to be moving towards becoming passionate followers of jesus and this means that god wants us to be receptive to receive truth to change and grow so that we can become more like our lord jesus christ so I'll leave those questions with you let's pray heavenly father we thank you for jesus and the privilege that you give us through him to be called your children your church and your body help us to grow to become a church full of passionate followers of jesus motivate us to continue to put jesus in the center of all our lives work in our works and our actions to become a community of genuine truth tellers and also receptive listeners help us to do this so that others may see your love and come to know you and we do this not for ourselves but for your glory and for your kingdom to grow and pray these things in Jesus name amen
Be thou my breastplate, my sword for the fight. Be thou my armor, and be thou my might. Thou my soul shelter, and thou my high tower. Praise thou me heavenward, O power of my power. Riches I heed not, O man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, thou and always. 